Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Corey, should we? We got one in the queue. Do you, do you want to just get right in? Yeah, I don't see why not. Hey guys, can you hear me? Yes. How you doing, Michael? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for doing this. Um, I wanted to talk a little about Josh Roy for the Canadians. Uh, fifth round pick from last year or the year before. Having a really good season. And uh, I was wondering where he'd go in a redraft and just if you could talk a little bit more about him. Sure. So Josh Roy, as Michael said, was a mid-round pick by the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, a former, if I recall, first overall pick in his QMJHL draft. Had a very strong 16-year-old season in St. John. Uh, not as strong a year in his draft year between uh, St. John and, and Sherbrooke. Um, ended up going in, in the mid-rounds. But as Michael said, he's having a very strong season. He's a leading player on one of the top teams in the queue this year. Uh, was a late cut from Canada's U20 team. Uh, the assets there are very high skill level, high offensive creativity, vision, excellent shot. Uh, he dropped in the draft because of his skating. Um, the scouts thought his compete level wasn't the best, too. I think the latter, the compete, has looked a little bit better this season. I mean, you even I even saw when I watched him live at that Canada camp, like he was – I thought he was really committed, at least better committed on defense than I've seen in the past. And um, – in terms of exactly where he would fit in a draft, I don't know if he would go in the first round due to the skating concerns still, um, but I could see him definitely be a second-round pick if you redid that draft. And a guy who I think, if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, you're very happy um, about his progress and talking to people in the organization. They're, they're thrilled with his development right now. All right. Uh, Michael, you got any more? Should we go try, try Joseph F. again? I'm good, guys. Thanks for the great answer. All right. Thanks, Michael. All right, Joseph, let's see if we can get this uh, get this going this time. Hey, guys. How about now? Yes, that's great. Awesome. My podcast started auto-playing when you brought me up on stage. Um, Freaking uh, wing wheel pod. Anyways, um, <laughs> how do you uh, – Corey, how do you feel about um, Frank Nazar, Nazar right now? Um, seems like he's kind of climbing draft boards a bit, and he's a guy as a wingspan I've just really had my eye on over the last couple weeks. Yeah, no, uh, he's a guy that Max and I have talked about quite a bit, uh, um, especially in a draft where I don't think there's a ton of premium centers in, in the first round, especially in the top 20. Um, I think he's a guy getting a lot of attention. Uh, being a top two-line center on the NTDP right now, excellent skater, uh, very high skill level. I, I think he competes well, which is what you want to see just as a 5'11 guy, particularly down the middle. Uh, you look at where all his offense comes from. It's, it's right in the paint. Uh, you know, he uses his speed and, and his compete uh, to get a lot of offense generated in those high percentage areas. Uh, I, I'm not saying he's for sure going to go top 15 um, because of the size. 5'11 centers, there aren't a lot of those in the NHL. So I think that's the, the debate in the NHL is like, is he, a, you know, is he going to be a top six center? Is he a second line wing? Is he a third line center? I think those are the things being debated. Uh, but I think he is definitely one of the premium uh, center prospect in this year's draft and someone who I think uh, has a very good shot to go in the top 20. And I, Would I you think, say, oh, sorry, Matt. No, I was just going to say specific to Detroit. Like, I, I think he checks a lot of boxes um, for what they look for, too, in, in terms of that compete, in terms of, um, I, I think, good hockey sense. And, and so um, when you look at the range, I think the Red Wings are probably going to be picking. Like, I think they do need a center if, if possible, but it's likely that not a lot of guys in that range are going to be slam dunk centers. I think he gives you as good a shot at being a center as most of them. So I do think he's definitely a a, a candidate that I would put kind of in the mix uh, for them, assuming they pick right around where they are right now between kind of nine and 12. 
one thing that's been interesting from watching the program is, you know, um, they had a little bit of injuries there in the middle of the year. Uh, Cutter Gauthier was playing in the middle before Charlie Strainwell came back. I thought it was interesting that since Strainwell's been back and he's playing quite well, that they put Gauthier on the wing and they kept Nazar at center. I think it's showing that the coaches really believe in Nazar as one of their top two line centers. So would you say, because previously it was basically Wright and Cooley were the only, like, next to slam dunk centers in the draft. Would you say you have more confidence in Nazar playing center than you would like a Savoy or a Lambert? Well, you're, you forgot Geeky there. Geeky, oh, I right. think is, Geeky's a, I think a potential top two line center. Um, but I think after, after Geeky goes, then I think you're starting to talk about Nazar. You're starting to talk about Marco Casper. You're asking questions of is Cutter Gothi actually a center? Some think he is, some think he isn't. But I think once you get past th- those top three guys, um, if you don't believe Savoy is a center, then I think, you know, I think that's why Nazar has a pretty good shot to go in the teams. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thank you. Really good questions. All right. Uh, oh, good. Q's filling up. All right. Robert C. Robert, what do you got for us? Hey, can you guys hear me okay? Yes. Hey, guys. Uh, I was just curious what your thoughts on in development this year with Fabian Lysel in the Western League. I've uh, been watching a lot of his stuff. I actually met him here in Boston. He was really cool. Um, and his point production's not as like for a winger, you know, in that league, I feel there's a lot of up, but you know, Vancouver isn't an amazing team this year either when they traded sort of as well, you know, stop chucked as his center. Um, but yeah, all that. And also look, love your guys work. Thanks guys. Thanks Robert. Yeah. So he's talking about Fabian Liesel, the Boston Bruins first round pick who is playing his first year in North America with the Vancouver Giants in, in the Western league. Uh, as Robert said, his point production has, I think it's been good, but it hasn't you know blown you away, particularly for a guy who is a, is a skill, smaller skilled forward who, whose main asset is his offense. I think you reasonably expected a little bit more kind of had a little bit of stop and start in the middle where he wasn't really playing that much. He went back to Sweden there for a period um, I think when you watch Liesel, you still see the dynamic skating. You see, you know, he's, he's, he is rather skilled. I think, uh, you know, he can make plays. I think you like to see the effort be a little bit more consistent. That, that's typically the concern when I've talked to coaches and scouts about him uh, this season. Uh, I still, you know, if you redid that draft, I, still, I, I would still say um, pretty good shot to still go in the 20s. But I think it's also fair to say he hasn't had like the big, a big year that would have quite any doubters after he kind of slid in the draft last year. Yeah, I actually haven't been able to watch his game since he's been in the Western League. But I, I do think when you're talking about the, the skill set that he has, you would have wanted it to see it translate a little better to juniors. But the one thing I'll say is whenever you're switching leagues, especially when you're switching like um, the, the difference between like the SHL uh, and, and going to North American Junior League, there is probably some adjustment. I think it's fair to give him a little bit of grace, but I do think you would have wanted to probably see maybe a little more dynamic offensive production in the draft plus one here. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Wanted to address one of the questions here in the chat. Uh, we'll pick on, on Will F., who asked, what's a realistic upside for Cutter Gauthier, and do you think he could sli- slip into the top 10 by draft day? Um, that's a good question. Gauthier has been a guy who's been trending over the last couple of months, uh, particularly when he did play center with the program and played very well That as a big guy who could skate and showed offense. I think that generated a lot of interest. Um, I think the center versus wing thing will – if, if team believes he's a center, I think that could push the top 10 argument. Um, you know, we'll see how his U18 worlds go. That that will be important. And I think the other the big variable is going to be, you know, how do teams approach Daniela Yurov and Pavel Mintikov in wake of what's been going on in Europe over the past few weeks? You know, if, you know, if those two, you know, if, if teams are hesitant to, to draft Russians, then somebody would move up. And I think Gauthier would be a candidate along with some other players. I think the question that I had, you know, watching him is, you know, obviously it's the, the, the tools are really good. It's that size and good skating and, and the shot, especially if you think you play center. But um, the sense and kind of specifically kind of the playmaking is something that when I've watched him hasn't popped a ton. That would be my question if I was going to take him in the top 10 is do I think he ends up being kind of just a shooter and skater, which is still a pretty high floor player. And I think for that reason, that's why he is, I, I think, probably got a good chance to go in the teens. To get to the top ten, I'd like to see a little more playmaking. Yeah, I mean, he only's got a couple assists in the USHL this season, but you'll see the, sc- the goal he scored last night. I mean, it was like a, a wicked shot, and and I mean, that's what kind of what he brings to the table. He's a he's a 
big, powerful, fast goal scorer. And whether it's top 10 or early teens, I think he'll, he would uh, go rather quickly. Um, one more question from the chat, then we'll get back to, um, to, uh, to the, to the queue. Uh, Rishi asks, where would Luke Hughes go if he was in the current draft? Uh, I think you look at the top four guys who went in last year's draft, which was Owen Power, Matthew Beniers, Mason McTavish, Luke Hughes. And I think from what I've seen, I think all four of those guys would still be the top four. I can't guarantee those four guys go in the exact same order, but I think all four of them have had excellent, excellent years. And I think have, you could argue, have kind of distinguished themselves from the rest of the class. What have you thought, Max? Because you're sure you've watched a decent chunk of Michigan games too. Uh, not probably since the fall, actually, um, partly because they've line up so much but i do agree that i think that those four whether it's the exact same order or not i think if you're if you're those teams and you already liked those players i think every single one of them kind of really paid off your faith this year and probably showed you um, not just what you already liked about him but like a little bit extra like i'm sure new jersey already loved from luke hughes the, the offensive potential i don't know if they saw him being a you know threatening the record for ncaa freshman goals um that he did this year but but i think when i saw him he looked like a more complete player than i saw the year before um playing for the ntdp so um, and i mean i assume that progression has just continued over the last couple of months here so um, i agree with you Corey. i think those are still probably the four um i think you may see a little bit of shuffling more toward the back half of the top 10 into the top 15 i think cole cylinder is probably a, a big riser um this year in, into that mix where he you know does he go um middle of the top 10 uh, in a draft, but other uh, the top, I agree. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, I think still, you know, now you're starting asking and you're comparing him versus Edmondson and comparing him versus Eklund, comparing him versus Dylan Genther, who's really come on here in the second half. You could kind of go start going back and forth on guys, but uh, I think those top four would be the top four um, in the right order. Oh, I, I might have misread the question. Uh, I think he might ask where he would go in this year's draft. Oh, I apologize. Uh, in, if uh, good call on me, Joe, in that top regard. Three, right? Top three. I mean, yeah, I mean, he'd be in the mix to go. He he he'd push right. I think, like, because just like you know, whether it's Wright or Slavkovsky or Cooley, like he would, you can argue him reasonably right at there or or above any of them. I think you know, just because I, as I've written, I think this is a below average top of the class. And I think it's um, a good question because right, Luke was what a week away from being in this draft. Yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, imagine if he was draft eligible right now and he's doing what he's doing in college. I mean, people would be salivating over him, I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree for sure. All right, All right let's go back to the you here. We'll, we'll hit the chat again soon, so keep those coming. Um, but Mitch, Mitch C., what do you got for us? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for doing this. This is, this is fun. Um, wondering what the, what, what the latest projection is with – William Wallander. Uh, this was a guy picked, I think the first pick in the second round in the, was it 220, 219 draft, 220? Uh, but anyway, was, you know, kind of uh, seen as a raw prospect, big dude, skates really well, had a couple, I think, probably fairly underwhelming uh, years after the draft, uh, notably missed the World Juniors, was caught in the Swedish World Junior team this year. But the second half of the year, he's playing like, 18, 19 minutes a night for Rogla, which I think is a top team in the SHL. Um, and the, you know, the counting stats are, are coming along, you know, as well. So I'm just kind of wondering what, what's the projection now for, for Wallander? Is this a guy that, you know, we think there's a better chance than not that he, he plays, you know, regular NHL minutes? Uh, let let <laughs> Max take that one first. Yeah, plays minutes, I, I, I think so, but I don't think it's like a slam dunk. And I, I think, you know, the, the, the reason that the Red Wings drafted Belinder is because there was this really big toolkit that was really unrefined, which is why he was available with the first pick of the second round. Um, I think this year has gone a long way to starting to refine those, but I, I still think there's a lot there um, to to accomplish, really. Like, I, I think this year the difference has been, he, I think he's really kind of bought into a co He's in a great program over there with Rugo. They just won the Champions League. Um, they, they've turned into a really good development and, you know, winning team in the SHL. And so I think he has bought into that. I think he has shown kind of that willingness to take coaching and, and, you know, pick up on the details of the, of defending, but I still think that the process of that is going to take more time. I do think it's good to see the offense coming for him though, because um, if he's going to make the NHL, I think that needs to be a big part of, of what he brings to the table. But ultimately, 
the the picture there is a six foot four D who skates well, has skill, um, and, and is creative. And and if you can add the the defending there and just make sure that the decision making is consistently good, um, that's the sell. Now, you know, I think the question is kind of what's it ultimately going to look like. That's still a good question. I do think he's going to play, but is it as like a bottom pair guy? Is it you know can he get up to being kind of like a number four and a second pair guy? That's I think probably what the hope would be, but I don't. I don't know that I would feel comfortable saying that's the projection at this point, Corey, would you? Uh, well, one thing that's always important, I think, with player projection, um, when I, just from my work and when I talk to NHL people, is, well, what role does he fill on an NHL team? And I think, you know, you look at the athletic tools, and you're like, okay, he's big and he can skate well for his size, and there's a little bit of skill. So you're like, okay, there's some assets that project well to the higher levels. Uh, but then I start asking, okay, well, where does he slot on an NHL team? Because while, he while he's big and he skates well, I wouldn't call him like a great defender. I don't think he's like an overly physical guy, doesn't, you know, isn't a hard minutes guy. And I don't think, well, he has some offense. I don't think like he is a ever really been a leaned on offensive guy uh, anywhere he's ever been. So I guess that's, that's kind of why he didn't make the world junior team. The coaches looked at him and they said, well, where does he fit on our team? I think Detroit will have the same questions unless certain things about his game develop. You know, that pick was based on tools and, and we'll see, you know, it's going to take a couple of years to see how that one plays out, I think. He's not going to probably have a, an easy path to power play minutes in Detroit either. I mean, with with Cider there. And I, I think if you were asking me between Johansson and Wallen, Albert Johansson and, and Volander, like it's it's Johansson is going to have the better track to those power play minutes, if not Edvinson. So it's he's going to have a hard track for power play time. So it is, I think, going to be about the complete kind of two-way thing. But you look at a guy right now, I'm, I'm trying to think like, you know, the Red Wings don't have anyone, I don't think, on their entire decor who doesn't play one special teams. Right now, Willinder doesn't project to, uh, I don't think, really play like a top PK role. So you're, you're seeing, can he build that into his game? And then at that point, I think that, you know, the, the tools at five on five translate. mover and all. Yeah, uh, yeah, I see this all the time when I talk to people around the league, like when it comes to like small skill guys who don't skate that well or it's a big guy who could skate, but he doesn't really have any offense. It's like, yes, like theoretically there's something about you that excites this player, but, but where does he play on our team? Is he on our power play units? Can he kill penalties? You know, is he on the tough defensive zone draws? Um, I, I think there's a part of us that always wants to say, just take the best player and put all the best players on a team. But realistically, it's just not how NHL coaches approach team building. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there a profile comp? that you guys, when, when you think of Wallander, you think of one, one guy that I go to, which is not the sexiest comp, but M- Mike Matheson is a, is a guy with some size, left shot dude, skates well, and I think he, you know, he's not a power play guy, I don't think, and he um, might get a little PK time, but does anyone stick out as being a good comp? My, yeah, my pushback there is I think Matheson's a, you know, like a high-end skater, whereas I think Wallander's like a good skater. Although I think Wallander's like a little bit bigger too. So I see where you're coming from with that one. Uh, no direct comp for me comes to mind. Probably there's a lot of third-pair defensemen in the NHL who kind of look like that. I think Matheson too, right, has killed penalties pretty regularly, at least earlier in his career. I don't know how much he's done it in Pittsburgh. But I think in Florida he was a pretty regular PK guy, right? Yeah, honestly, I don't know, but that's a good question. Um all right, Mitch. Cool. Uh, nice. Good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, uh, Alex N. Are you with us? Uh, thanks for doing this, guys. Um, my question is naturally from uh, SHL perspective, and I'm wondering how you rate um, the Hugh Gordon trio, uh, the uh, Noah Östlund, Liam Ögren, and naturally Jonathan Lekremäki. Uh, well, I won't be able to say their names with the pr- exact pronunciation uh, like you did, but uh, I can gladly give you my opinion on, on the three. Um, obviously, like a Ramakis and, and the, the run he's been on lately has gotten a lot of attention around the NHL. Um, uh, your garden obviously is playing for their SHL lives right now to stay up in the top league, and he's playing top six, top nine minutes uh, for the team and scoring a lot of goals like he did with the junior team. Um, I think teams are really excited by the skill, really excited by the elite shot and the goal scoring. Um, 5'11-ish winger is a good, not great skater. Um, you know, I think those are the aspects that might keep him out of the top 10. 
But I do know, again, especially in light of the Russia situation, that he is de- getting a lot of discussion in the top 10. I had, uh, I've had some scouts even suggest to me he could even go higher than that range if you really like him. You know, I think one thing intriguing from a projection standpoint is he's one, he's a really young 04. I think he's like a June or July 04. So a lot of room to grow there uh, physically. Um, like I said, I think, you know, whether it's, you know, 12, 10, 8, like he's going to go high in the draft. Uh, the two other ones you mentioned were Liam Ogren, who I think has, is going to be a tail end of the first, high second type. Uh, skilled, smart, powerful guy who can score. Skating, I think it's just okay. Um, I'm not sure he's going to drive the offense, but I think he could be a really solid third line winger in the NHL. Uh, and the last one you mentioned was Noah Osland, who I think had a little bit more hype even than the other two coming into the year. Had played with the U18 Sweden team the prior season, played well in uh, the, the lower le- in the in the J20 league too. Um, he's talented, good skater, good skill. He competes. Uh, can, can play center or wing. Uh, I just don't get the sense from talking to NHL people or when I watched him that I think he excites you from an NHL projection like the other two. I think he's a guy who plays games, but I think for a smaller guy, the speed and the skill are not incredibly dynamic. So I, he's definitely going to be drafted um, probably more of a mid-round guy, if I have to say, whereas the other two are you know, more premium prospects and especially like a Ramaki. Corey, I've got a Lekaramaki follow-up for you. In your most recent ranking, I I, know, I remember that the kind of the compete and specifically kind of the perimeter um, questions with his game. I like, guess he too perimeter of a player. Have those been remedied at all with kind of how he's played and the role he's played in your garden, or is that still kind of a, a key question on him? Uh, some are have been, you know, obviously, and that's why I kind of say like there's some scouts who are really really high on this guy. So I think for some they're like, no, no problem. Like you look can score versus men and there's no compete issues here for us at all. So there's some who wonder, you know, can he drive a top two line in the NHL or will he need a center to get him the puck uh, to score goals? So that really depends on who you ask. I'm slowly coming to the position that I think it's, it will be fine, but I'll keep watching him through the SHL end of the SHL season here. And uh, should he play U18 worlds? That would obviously would be very valuable information too. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, cheers. Thanks a lot, guys. Yep, thank you, Lars. Uh, Daniel J, what do you got? Uh, hey, fellas, how are you guys doing today? Very good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Um, Corey, uh, I was curious, in your opinion, uh, among the upcoming draft eligible prospects, who, in your opinion, is most NHL ready, and conversely. Are there any prospects that stand out to you as being a player who would have a very valuable NHL impact if a team were willing to be patient concerning their development? Um, In terms of NHL readiness, I don't know how much NHL games you're going to get from this year's class right away, at least from what I've initially seen. Uh, Logan Cooley is almost assuredly going to go to Minnesota for his first season Um, after his draft. uh, I I, I love your eyes, Slotkovsky, but guy has one goal versus men this season. I have a hard time, despite his Olympics, I have a hard time seeing him playing in the National Hockey League uh, next season. I think another year in Finland would be very beneficial. And then you get to Shane Wright, who is not having a, you know an outstanding season compared to other first overall CHL picks of the last 20, 25 years. But he's the guy who I think not surprisingly has the best case because he is a very well-rounded player, very competitive, uh, physically developed center who can skate well. Um, you know, I, I do imagine Shane Wright will be in the NHL next season. Um, after him though, it, it's hard for me to think of, of other ones. You know, I, I Kamel is not ready. Uh, I don't think Connor Geeky or Savoy are ready just yet. Um, but, but that would come to mind. And, I, I apologize, but I forgot your second question, or I forgot the exact phrasing of it. Uh, it was it was which prospects uh, in the upcoming draft do you think will have uh, a significant NHL impact uh, if a team is willing to be patient with their development? So someone who could potentially make an impact in say you know like four or five years if a team is willing to gamble on that. Okay, that's an that's an interesting question. Um, I guess I'm not sure whether you're asking about the high high end guys, or it seems like you're asking more about like mid round guys. 
pretty much, because obviously you wouldn't be waiting five years on a first-round pick. Yeah, I mean, like, I you know, I, I think of, like, Elder or Elmer Solderblum, right? These uh, high-upside prospects that you take them, and if it all comes together a handful of years down the road, maybe it could have a, a good NHL impact. Sure. Okay, I'll give you three names of guys I think are really toolsy for one way or another and are not like likely first round picks. Uh, three names would be two Finns, um, Miko Matika and Yanni Nieman, uh, both who are playing in Finland. And the other one would be Cam Lund, who plays Green Bay at USHL. Uh, I think all three of them are really talented for different reasons. Uh, Matika and Nieman are big wingers with really good hands, playmaking, scoring ability. The feet are kind of heavy, so they're not playing in the NHL right away. They're going to go take years. Matika is going to college uh, at Denver, I believe. Um, so they're going to take some time, but there's significant talent there in both of them. And, and Cam Lund is like the, the profile of a of a of a long-term guy with a lot of talent because he's got size, he can skate, he's really skilled, he can score goals, um, the compete levels in and out. He's a really young player for the draft class. He's going to go to Northeastern for several years, uh, but I think there's a lot of talent there. Awesome, thank you guys so much. Sure thing. Do you want to go back to the chat and then we'll uh, we'll hit the queue again? Uh, or? Alex and has waited very patiently. Let's get to him first. Oh yeah, of course, Alex. My bad. Let's see if that works this Testing. time. Can you guys hear me now? That's great. Perfect. Uh, I just had a question because, like, um, one of you know, like, there's there's going to be many draft lists every every given year, and um, one I've been paying particular attention to is uh, the one on hockey prospect. Uh, reasoning being, I think while everyone is a bit lower on Pedersen, Heiskanen, and uh, who's the last one? Cider. They predicted that these guys would become very good NHLers. And this year, just as every year, they pre- their the December list has Connor Geek at two and Owen Pickering as f- at five as the best D-man. Um, any chance they're right once again? Like, what's your take on these two prospects? Because I, I'm looking at other lists, and these guys are not very high up at all. Um, compared to where Hockey Prospect has them? Um, well, I mean, I think Geeky is a guy who, talking to most teams uh, or throughout the year, has been like a top 5, 10 projected guy. I've I've had scouts suggest to me he can go as high as 3 or 4 this year. I think, especially when you look at the fact that, you know, obviously Mirosuchenko is, you know, heart goes out to him for the situation, but he obviously will not be a, a high pick this year. Um, you know, Daniel Yurov probably not going to be a high pick this year. Um, and then you kind of go into, you know, Kamel's kind of falling off here in the second half. Savoy's kind of falling off in the second half. And I think, yeah, yeah I think you will get to Geeky and be like, yeah, I, I think he's absolutely in the mix. And you, once you get past Wright and Cooley, I think he's the third best center in this year's class. That he's been playing very well lately. Big guy with really good skill. And yeah, I mean, he's been a big part of one of the best teams in the Western League. Um, I like Owen Pickering a lot. Um, uh, I would say top, would you say top five? Uh, that would probably be, uh, I would say a, a, a strict minority opinion among teams I talk to. There's a lot of people who really like Pickering, but I, um, I would not even say he's the consensus top defense in the WHL. I talk to teams who like Kevin Korczynski more. I talk to teams who like Denton Matejchuk more. So I think Pickering started off really well the first half, kind of came out of nowhere. Swift Kern was winning games. People thought they were going to be a bottom feeder. And then I think reality set in. They've lost a lot of games. Uh, he's had some rougher nights in the, here in the second half. Um, I think if the draft happened now, he's probably going some. He could go. He might go in the teens, might go in the 20s. Um, big mobile defenseman, had a growth spurt. There's interest in the projection there. Um, but I probably wouldn't call, I probably wouldn't have him in the year of check Nemich range right now. I've got a follow up for you, Corey, on, on, on geeky. Cause we talked about this the other day, but, um, I think the kind of the public consensus for a while has been Savoy then geeky, but, you know, especially partly because I think the, the production gap has been, um, at various times this year, significant between those two with Savoy on top. But, um, what, what do you think it is about geeky's game that, scouts kind of gravitate have gravitated more toward especially lately well I, just because he's a six three center with 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 the skill and scoring ability and i think there is some physicality in his game too not like he's you know the most uh the best two-way center you're ever going to see doesn't really kill penalties for that team although it's an elite team um but i think there's 
there is, I think I talked to somebody like last week who said, you know, he's six, three center plays, both way plays at both ends, you know, has legit offense. Like those guys go top five. So um, not everybody agrees with that. I think there's a lot of scouts who are really worried about his skating um, for that range, but uh, there's legit reasons to be excited about him as one of the premier prospects in this year's draft. And like I said, I think there's assurances that I think, you know, you're getting a center. Is he for sure a top two line center? You know, I think he has a really strong chance. Everyone agrees. Some say he's more of a three. I think he'll be a really strong two, um, but time will tell. All right, let's go uh, to the chat. Thank you so much. Yep, thank you. Yep, no problem. Let's go to the chat now for a few of these. Um, John D says, why does it typically take three to four years to go from the draft to the NHL? Is it all the strength, physical maturing that's needed, uh, or is it or skill development? I would say definitely it's, it's just strength. Um, you, I mean, you go watch a, a junior hockey game, uh, you know, like everyone there is a buck 60, a buck 70, something like that. It's um, – when you get to the National Hockey League, it's, that changes real significantly. You know, it's why you see sometimes even the most premium prospects can make the, the jump right away. But I think you can go to a junior hockey game and what, or like you know, one of those big turbans, the U18s, the Holinka, the World Juniors, and you can see guys and say, well, that's NHL skating. That guy has NHL skating. He has NHL skill. He has NHL scoring ability. Like those are like he can drop him into an NHL lineup right now and he can do those things with NHL players, but he's going to get his ass kicked because he can't win a battle. He can't get, if he's a forward, he can't get to the middle third of the ice. If he's a defenseman, he can't, you know, basically win any pucks back um, or, or clear the front of his net. Um, so I think that's usually the biggest reason why guys take so long, unless they're just so dynamic and so talented that even though they're physically overmatched, they have these other things that just, Right, you know, you know, rise them above the rest of the class. Um, yeah, that's probably the best way I could describe that. Corey C is asking about this is an interesting one. Uh, how long till Devin Levi's on a Buffalo Sabres jersey, which you would almost never usually be asking this soon after a guy is drafted in the seventh round? Um, but he is putting up a 950 right now, Eastern. I don't think it's a short answer. I think you, you're gonna have to see this guy. Uh, in the AHL before you're kind of comfortable throwing them to the Wolves in the NHL. Um, but, Corey, in your opinion, I mean, you don't, you never see a 953 save percentage in the NCAA. How far out is Devin Levi? Uh, Buffalo's been using like a dozen goals over the last season or so, so I'm not ruling out. I mean, they just see – everybody seems to get hurt or something else happens to them. So um, it's um, – I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable that he plays games next season. I think given his size – and you're and given that he's not like an elite you know side to side guy i think saying yes we prefer to give him a year in american league that's probably the safer route the rational route but if they don't fix their goalie situations in the next 12 months it, it wouldn't shock me presuming he's signed which is not a guarantee he's a freshman but given how well he's playing like i gotta imagine he'll sign yeah um yeah i think a year two tops is probably you know um a reasonable p- timeline for him We've had a couple of people ask about Mishenko, and, and we probably should address this, uh, obviously. John asked it, would he be worth the choice at 10, knowing his health issues in, in, this, in the stashing? And obviously, the, the important thing here is that he gets healthy again. But um, with Mishenko, like, I mean, how? I mean, it's, it's the least important thing about this whole situation. But how do you see it kind of affecting where teams view him? All right, we're having a little bit of technical troubles here. In the meantime, we'll go back to the, uh, the queue. And Simon, you can... Uh, ask way and we'll get it figured out sure i was going to ask about the uh well two questions uh number one just the most criticized pick of of last draft which was uh, the sense taking i'm back sorry about that no worries we'll, 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 we'll let simon go here okay so uh most criticized pick of the last draft the sense taking tyler boucher at number 10 uh having had a chance to see him for the last couple of weeks in the ohl uh, wondered if uh, you think the Senators might have seen something in him or you still think that pick is is totally bonkers. Um, and then the second question is, uh, I know, Corey, you've been quite uh, you know critical of the upcoming draft, just saying that you don't think the top of the draft is, is as elite as we've seen in previous years. Just wondered sort of more generally, um, you know, having been able to watch the prospects for a few more months, do you think the overall quality of the draft class is looking any better than than you thought a few months ago? All right, those are two very different questions. So uh, let's start with Boucher. 
uh, first. When they made the pick, yes, it was it was criticized, but I don't think anybody who knew the player was like, you know, like what are they thinking here? He's terrible. It was more along the line like I get what they're trying to do here. You know, they're going after this really physically punishing player. Um, they clearly valued some of the things he brought to the table. But the question, and he was clearly the best in the draft at doing that. The question was, was that the right time to do that? I think some people have argued to me they should have traded down. Um, I do believe there was at least one team in the teens that was really seriously looking at him. Um, that being said, um, you know, I didn't love the skating, didn't love the overall offense in the game, even though I think there is a little bit of offense. Like, I think he will play in the NHL. I think he could be a full-time, bottom six, heavy, hard-to-play-against winger in the NHL. Um, obviously, when you pick top 10, you were hoping he becomes Tom Wilson. Um, I don't think he's Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson is three to four inches bigger. Uh, he's a better skater. Uh, so those are those were my concerns on on doing it at ten. I like Tyler Boucher. I think he's like I think he's a good player, but you know obviously he's had a tough year. Barely scored a BU. Leaves doing okay in the OHL. Not really killing it there either. But he he is what he is. Like he has certain valuable characteristics, and and time will tell whether I'm wrong on that or not. But I I just don't see it there. Especially when the one thing about that that one that kind of bugged me was was Cole Sillinger was still on the board. If you wanted a guy who played really heavy, like Cole Sillinger is that. And he has like really a high talent level too. So that was the one where I was like, like, why couldn't you just take that guy? That was the one thing that always kind of in my mind I struggled with. Um, Max, did you want to weigh in at all or do you want to go to the next question? Nope, I'll just co-sign all of that. I, think it, I understand what their logic is. Their logic is style of player is really hard to find and if if you don't think he's going to be on the board the next time you pick and you love him and you think he's the guy you need well I understand that you know sometimes you have to pick a guy a little higher than maybe is ideal if that's the guy you really want but um, I, I agree I think Sillinger being there and, and we don't know necessarily what their reports showed or if they felt like Sillinger I mean I don't think anyone quite expected Sillinger to be this good this quick um, correct but I agree it was the it was a profile that I think you, you had those kind of heavy elements, those hard to find elements that do make Cole Cylinder so valuable. Um, you know, we don't know what the report said. I, I don't have a problem with them, um, you know, picking a guy earlier than like, like that's where I think kind of the best player available discourse can be flawed is if you love a guy and you think he fits exactly what you need. You don't get to pick wherever you want in the draft. You get to pick where you pick in the draft. And you can, it's easier said than done to kind of trade up or back. So from that standpoint, I never have a problem with the team taking their guy. Um, but I do think there was a guy who probably checked all the boxes a little bit better there. Yeah, and I would say from just following the draft for a, for a decent chunk of time, I just like sometimes that strategy works where you reach for those elite physical assets and particularly physicality. Um, like obviously, I don't think that uh, Washington reached for Todd Wilson to pick him in the twenties. I think if Tyler Boucher gets picked in the twenties. Nobody's really criticizing him because that's, you know, when you're in the 20s, you're not for sure getting a player. So um, if he doesn't work out, it sucks, but that's life. If, at 10, you want to make sure you're getting a really good player. Um, but, you know, you look at, you know, I've seen, you know, whether it was Tyler Biggs, whether it was Dylan McElrath, whether it's um, Erica Branson over the years, I just find there's the track record of, of reaching for that particular aspect really high in the draft has, has not really gone well. Uh, but time again, time will tell on, on Boucher whether we were right or wrong. Uh, to, and again, just to quickly answer the second part of the question for Simon in terms of the draft, um, I think the only really significant thing that's changed from my last draft ranking has been the performance of Uri Slavkovsky at, at the Olympics, um, where I think there's a little bit more excitement about him at the real, at the top of the draft. Uh, otherwise, there hasn't really been much change. As I said earlier, you know, Kamel's kind of slowed down. Savoy's kind of slowed down a little bit. So I don't really think the the picture, and I guess Lecker and Mackey's come on a little bit there too. So I don't think the picture has has changed all that significantly. It's not like Shane Wright's gone on some big tear here in the second half. Like I think a lot of us, he's played well, but it's not like he's like one of the top three or five scores in the OHL right now. So I think the picture is mostly the same from a few months ago. Important also to, to note here as we talk about this, like when, when we talk about the strength of a top of a draft, it, we are literally talking about the the top. Like I don't know that the difference between the players that are going to go eight to 10 this year is all that big of a drop off Correct. from the players going last year. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. 
Um, we did, we, we glossed over one of these earlier. And I think someone, when we were going through the, uh, I think we were doing like a redraft of, of the top four this year. Someone was asking about Edmondson. Keith S asked who would go higher in a 2021 redraft Edmondson or Luke Hughes. What, what I think there is I, I think both teams probably still would want the player that they ended up with. I think Edmondson is very much Detroit's type. He's having a great year. I think Luke Hughes, uh, I, I don't think if, if the devils love you, Luke Hughes in the spring, He's only given them more reason to love him now. So I think both of those teams are probably very happy with with the guy they got. I don't you know, I, I don't know if there's other teams that would have preferences one way or the other, but I do still think it probably goes pretty similarly. Yep, that's fair. I think if you read that redid this draft, Evanson's probably going what, like five or six, and Hughes is going somewhere in that top four somewhere. And it, not 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 just disrespect to Evanson, it's just you know I think we said earlier the top four would go to the top four in some order, and there's only so many you know. Evans had a great year, but I just don't think he he's displacing McTavish or Beniers right now, given that they're also they've also had excellent years. Um, so yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to Alex N. This is our same Alex from Did before. You... How's it going? Hey. Oh my God. It's already my turn again. <laughs> no, I was just wondering, um, given their uh, their great seasons post draft. Um, what is what are your current expectations um, relative to both prospects, Sean Farrell and Joshua Roy? Uh, well, we answered Wall already earlier in in the conversation, actually. So I don't want to. I I can just summarize real quickly. I, I like Wall. Probably goes second round. Has a chance to be like a third line winger. Um, in terms of Sean Farrell, I could talk about this one a little bit more thoroughly. Uh, Mid round pick by the Habs. Um, been really was one of the top players in the USHL last season. Played well in college, uh, really good skater, competes well, smart. Um, I think he'll play NHL games. I think for a smaller guy, he's not like dynamic, dynamic offensively. Uh, in terms of like, I think he skates well, but it's not elite speed or elite skill. I think there's a question, as we talked about earlier in the chat, like where does he fit in a lineup? Can he kill penalties in the NHL? Uh, I think those are still questions that need to be answered. But his progression has been very positive. If you wanted to argue me, he could be a full-time NHLer. Um, I wouldn't think that's unreasonable. I think his profile is one of the hardest ones to project the jump from from college to the NHL because I think you can still get by um, on on having a lot of compete in, in your game at, at that small size um, in, in college. And, and obviously, I'm not saying it's just a compete thing, but it, it does become like you have to be really, really dynamic at five nine in the NHL. I think it, you can get by without like supreme dynamism at five nine in, in the NCAA. And and junior where he was dominant yeah. there. Um, all right. Um, I got cut off earlier um, by my own technical uh, issues uh, when someone asked about Miros Lachenko. Did you answer that question, Max, or did we just gloss over that? No, we uh, we we didn't circle back to it yet. So we we can touch on it now. Sure. Uh, what was the question again? It, it was. I, just think, a- I, I think John's actually re-asking it in the chat right now. Perfect. There it is. So it's, he says, bringing up the Miroshenko situation for comment, um, considering everything, where does he go in the draft? And again, it's not the most important thing here. We all hope that, the, you know, first and foremost, he's okay. But it, this is a prospects chat. We probably should should touch on this. One. And that's something that we've debated internally regarding the situation is like, how do you treat this respectfully? Um, so when Oscar Lindblom was going through his situation, uh, my preference was just like, don't comment on the player. Um, when he was in the NHL, you know, just because I think we did like a redraft, a couple of redraft articles. I'm like, I'm not going to slot this guy in here. Like yeah. you know, he's going through a really traumatic time. I'm not like, that's kind of disrespectful. Um, the difference in this situation is you don't, if you're a national hockey league team, you don't get that option. You know, you, you can't say, well, it's kind of gross or disrespectful to talk about him as a player and where he slots in a draft because eventually somebody's going to take him. And they're gonna have they have to go through that calculus um, because it is the NHL draft and he is a first year eligible. Um, on talent, as as many pe- people know or some who don't, you know, Miroslav is like a top ten, if not a top five guy on pure talent. Um, Looks like one of the most promising prospects in, in this year's class. Um, in light of this, you know, of him being diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, he's gonna go a lot later than that. Because there are obvious major risk variables involved with a team trying to bring him into their organization. 
um, and on and on the kids' future. I can't tell you exactly where that's going to happen. I think that's going to be up to every individual teams. Um, you know, they're going to we're going to need to see where he is by the summer. Teams doctors are going to have to take a look at him. They're going to want to see his, his recent medicals. Uh, he just recently went through a round of chemotherapy, um, and uh, they're going to need to, you know evaluate that you know, based on what the, whether they like the player and and their own tolerance for risk. Um, you know, I, I feel I don't want to give an exact number, um, but I would say that he's going to go a lot uh, later than he would have um, before the diagnosis. Yep. All right. Um, and we'll wrap up, I guess, since now the queue is emptied out, we'll wrap up with uh, Dave C. on Olin Zellweger, who's, who's having a really, really good draft plus one year and was a guy who uh, snuck up toward the back half of the second or sorry, the, the front half of the second round last year. Uh, he has a later birthday as well. Uh, what have you thought of, of Olin Zellweger this year? And like the Luke Hughes discussion, I think you can start saying, well, you know, if Olin Zellweger was drafted, you know, was born two or three weeks later and he's draft eligible right now, or he's one of the top defensemen in the CHL, leading player on a top WHL team, uh, goes to the World Juniors and on a power play unit for Canada. It's like, where would he go in the draft? And I, I, uh, that's a fun question to, to ask. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I really like Zellweger. He's an excellent skater. There's real legit offense in his game. Uh, he fell to the second round because he's 5'9", he's 5'9 five, nine, five, nine half, five, ten, something like that, um, which is – there are not a lot of defensemen in the NHL who play at that size. Um, so I get why he fell. Uh, there's, a, there's a risk variable there. Um, but you look at Zellweger, and I think he would be a first-round pick this year uh, if you redid that draft. If, if you redid that draft. Uh, well, he's asking me where was to go into this year's draft. Well, he would definitely be a first rounder in this year's draft. Uh, you know, potentially even a top 20 pick. Uh, he would be that, I think, in last year's draft too. I think the progression has been uh, quite significant, and I think the Ducks are very happy with his progress. I think it's only one week, right? I think he's he's actually a day younger than Luke Hughes. So yeah, very similar. He was a week off from uh, from that being the exact situation. All right. Uh, uh, I, I want to. I, I liked uh, Eric's question on. Uh, we we'll get a couple here that we can get to. I liked Eric B's questions. I like Gunner's question. Um, Bobby Brink was just named a first team NCAC uh, player. Uh, Denver's been having a huge year, and he, and he's been a big part of it. Uh, skating still rather wonky. Not the biggest guy, but I, I still talk to a lot of people around the league who are who are optimistic about this player who despite his wonky skating and his size see a really really intelligent and skilled player a guy who competes well despite the size um and I think you know, I'm not saying he's going to be a big time NHL player I think he'll play games I could see him become a third line winger second power play for the Flyers um I do really like this player still uh, and Gutter B asked about Dylan Genther uh, who I think is a you know interesting one to address had a really slow start with with Edmonton in the Western League not slow but not but slow I thought by you know the standards of a top ten pick guy who scored very well historically in the WHL at sixteen and seventeen um, in the second half you know after they after they bring in Justin Sertif after they bring in Caden Gooley um, having a very strong second half now among the leading scorers in the Western League uh, I, I think you're you're really happy with his progress right now. Um, I think it's possible he plays in the NHL next year. I think Arizona, though, is taking an extremely patient approach to their prospects. Uh, I would not be, expect them to rush their junior age players if they don't think he's absolutely 100% ready because they're obviously taking a very long-term perspective to their to their rebuild. But, I I mean, Genther has all the tools, size, skating, compete, offense. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it was in the NHL next season. No, me either. And, and I do think, you know, yes, they're taking the long – it's also one of those things you got to give your fan something to be excited about. And if he's ready, um, I, you know, I don't see a reason to kind of hold him back too much. I mean, the question ultimately is like, what benefit is he getting out of being in the Western league? And that's always the question um, when, when you have kids coming out of the CHL is, are you, what's the impact of their development on going back to the league that they've been in? You know, Genther's up to now, I think he's over a point, point and a half per game. Um, are, are you going to put him back there and, and let him absolutely run wild? Or if your option is, um, to, to bring him to the NHL, you know, I, I think that in, in a lot of ways you can argue that's a superior option for his development in addition to the fact it gives you something to sell to your fans. Yeah, no, I think it's all fair. And I, I think especially given there will probably be lots of opportunities, you know, given, you know, a guy like a Phil Kessel is probably going out and it's not the deepest forward group, uh, you know, it's 
Um, yeah, you presume there will be power play minutes and an overall minutes to go around if he goes to camp and, and looks quite good. A couple other ones here that, that I actually liked. I like Christian's K question on, on Wyatt Johnston because I feel like that's a guy who probably yeah. is not known to a lot of fans, but he's one of the leading scorers in the West in the Ontario league right now. Um, was a really interesting prospect going into his draft. Um, he didn't play at all in his draft year, but he goes through a growth spurt. I think when I watched him, he was 16. He was like 5'10", 5'11". I think he's pushing six foot two right now. And, and that growth spurt happened during his draft season. Uh, so people only really got to see the new Wyatt Johnson at the U18 World Championships, where he was, a, you know, a second, third line center for Canada and, and played quite well there, ending with him going um, in the in the first round. And, and since then, I think he's only done more to justify that pick by Dallas. So he looks like a big center who competes hard, who has really good hands and playmaking, skating just okay. And, and Chris is asking where he projects. Um, I, I really, I know, I like the player a lot. I've been a big pusher of Wyatt Johnston um, for the, over the last year or so. So I think he has the potential to be a second line center. And when I say that, um, when I talk to NHL people about second line centers, sometimes they, they want caveats. Like, well, what does that mean precisely? And I say, well, I, I'm not saying on a contender, he's your number two center, but I think on an average NHL team or, you know, an average to below average NHL team, he can be the second best center on your team on a contender maybe a two probably a three if he's a wing he probably plays higher in the lineup but at the end of the day i think the pick looks really still looks really good right now um and he looks like a very promising prospect for the dallas stars we're also seeing that contenders have kind of in recent years i do agree you still probably need two number one centers or number one caliber centers to probably win the cup but we've seen in recent years Vegas has gone a long way without having that clear-cut number one guy, and I would say guys who you would you would probably argue are kind of true average second-line centers in that role. Minnesota has done that, and, and I really, really like Joel Erickson and, and Ryan Hartman's having a great year, but it, it is starting to look different. I mean, if, if Wyatt Johnson hits the ceiling that um, – not the ceiling, the, the, the reasonable, you know, 80th percentile projection that you have for him, I think he could still be a second-line center on a team like this year's Bruins, for example, who may not be, you know, sure. a top – but have it certainly a chance to win around. Sure. On the Vegas thing, I think part of that was that uh, you know William Carlson played out of his yes. out of his mind for a period there. That I, I think William Carlson was an excellent player. I was like, there's, no, this guy's not this good. But I, I, your point is valid. I think you know we can be too definitive at times and try to put guys into you know too strict a confine. Or this is exactly what a second line NHL center is. But I, I'm just trying to give a the yeah. the 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 answer in like a general sense. This is generally how good a player I think this is. Yeah, absolutely. Any others you want to get to before we uh, sign off here? Um, like I said, I I want to answer want to answer Ben's question about Broberg. I watched a little bit of him with the Oilers. I probably don't know, haven't seen him enough with the Oilers yet to comment. I watched a little bit of their game the other night, and I you know he I de- definitely noticed him. I like Broberg. I think he's a top four defenseman, but I can't really comment much more beyond that. Sorry, Bennett. All right. We will leave it there then. Uh, I thought this went well, and then we'll, uh, we'll plan to do another one in the future. Um, obviously, we will have this. Uh, hope, we're going to have this, I think, put on onto the podcast show for those of you who maybe joined on late and want to hear what we talked about at the beginning. I know we got some more um, Josh Waugh questions toward the end. That was the very first thing we tackled. So if you want to go back and circle um, back on that, I, I think there will be a link through this room to do it at some point too but i think we'll also post it on the athletic hockey show page um and that's where Corey and i obviously do a weekly show um, semi-regular but we'll be back on that soon too so uh, you can keep up with us there and obviously make sure you're reading everything at theathletic.com but we really appreciate you guys joining us for this these have been really fun we'll take care yep thanks guys thank you